0: Hey, hey, thank you for coming back for another cup of coffee and good conversation. The format is a little different today and we'll get into that right at the beginning of the conversation. I think you'll like it. It's intimate and a bit more personal than some of our previous episodes. And just to give you a bit of a hint, about two thirds of the way into the episode, we start talking about the possibility of surrogacy and our guest doesn't give a solid no, so. I'm saying there's a chance. There's also a tiny bit of background noise that I wasn't able to edit out. I wouldn't even bring it up, but I feel like I'm becoming more of an audiophile as I learn more about TV and podcast production. Anywho, as you'll recall, I recently bought a fixer upper and during the recording of this episode, our contractors were staying late and, I guess, banging every tool in the box against the walls to get themselves back on schedule. It wasn't their fault that they fell behind, though, so I can't be mad about it. This house is over 100 years old, and the more they peeled back things in the room, the more issues they found. I've watched enough HGTV to know that's just the way it goes sometimes. Okay, also, the first episode of the show Bottomless Coffee with Jerome is now streaming on YouTube. If you go to bottomlesscoffeeshow.com and click on the Our Gay History episode, then you'll be able to stream from right there. You can also go to YouTube and search for Bottomless Coffee with Jerome. And please do subscribe to the channel. As more people watch and engage, I'm able to justify putting more resources into the show, so it'll just keep getting better. Finally, I will note that COVID-19 is real and that you really should be vaccinated and boosted by now if you can be. Please consider that to be a friendly reminder to those that need it. All right, that's it for the housekeeping this week. Let's start the conversation. Welcome to the Bottomless coffee. We are going to do things a little differently this episode. Usually we have a conversation with someone that already has something of a message because, you know, I wanna make sure that we leave every episode feeling inspired and empowered to make the world around us a little bit better. But two episodes ago, we talked with Yevgeny about relationships. And that got me to thinking about all of the wonderful people uh, that I have relationships with, but who I haven't really connected with in a while. And since I ended that episode uh, suggesting that you all reach out to people and reconnect, it seemed like maybe I should take my own advice and do the same thing. How about that? Uh, so, this week I'm catching up and sharing a cup of tea. This is tea with Nikisha Daniel. Hey, Nikisha. Hi, Jerome. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've only spent maybe 10 minutes chatting and catching up a little bit. So, we still have, like, I would say we haven't even scratched the surface. Nope. of all of the catching up that we need to do. Uh, and I want, I want to start at the beginning, if we can. Let's do it. Do you happen to remember how we met?
1: I know we met in middle school.
0: Okay, middle school. That's good. That's more than
1: I really recalled. I was like, I'm pretty sure it was a middle school. And... I vaguely remember a cafeteria. Now whether that's where we actually met, I'm not sure. Sure. But I recall us spending lots of time and there being food involved, so I just put two and two together and assume that that's what happened.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And we were in the same grade? Yes. Yeah. And um I was about as nerdy looking then as I am now. I'm pretty sure. I think <laughs>
1: You, ju- you just grew into the self that you already were.
0: Yeah, but there, there was kind of a boomerang thing for my image, <laughs> I think, because I had really thick glasses at some point when I was very young, Yeah. possibly middle school, possibly not. Then I got contacts and <laughs> I rocked contacts for like 20 years. <laughs> so I mean, now I'm back with the glasses on, which is like full circle for me. True.
1: I go back and forth between the glasses yeah. and the contacts. Well, but I mean, can. I, yeah, I was like, we were both nerdy. Come on. Nerddom brought us together. We were just I, agree I agree with that. I agree with uh, that.
0: I don't think they had like AP classes or anything in middle school. I don't think I remember any of my middle school teachers. Were we in the orchestra together? We were in orchestra together. That's it. I was like, <laughs> we played an instrument. <laughs> I played what the cello. I played the violin. Yeah, I really loved the violin. I love that sound. Do you
1: still play? No.
0: But you're still in the arts.
1: I am still in the arts, but I don't still play the violin. I sometimes fantasize about buying a violin oh. and somehow taking lessons again. Will yeah. that happen? Who knows? I'll probably buy a violin and then just sit it somewhere and go, you know, I used to play and then <laughs> use it as a conversation starter rather than oh, actually oh, Tell everybody what you do now. What do I do now? Well, I am a director and an actor still, um, and a choreographer, and I just most recently took on a full-time position in academia. Okay. So I am now the assistant professor of African American Theatre and Performance at the College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina.
0: Brilliant. Yes, Yes. A real job.
1: <laughs> During the pandemic.
0: Well when we were like, uh, sharing meals, breaking bread in middle school—is that where you thought uh, your life would take you? You know, we could—we have the privilege of now looking back over decades and being like,
1: "Huh." I don't think I thought past my next meal in middle school. <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah. Same. <laughs>
0: next class period. Yeah,
1: like, do I have homework? I don't know. What am I supposed to do tomorrow? That's as far as I got. Um, but no, I will say like cut to high school when I actually started thinking about my career. And I was oddly one of those kids who was very much like, no, I'm going to do this. This is the Uh thing I want to do. And I remember going, I want to be at the time I was like, I want to be in musical theater, but I just knew I wanted to be in the arts. I was really drawn to it. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And oddly enough, that is what I have done. for the I'm rest- like, here I you life. are. <laughs> like many iterations. Like, I'm still doing it. And I still love it. And I still plan on continuing. And yeah.
0: In my mind, I feel like I have a memory of you wanting to be a singer.
1: I did at one point. I was very into Janet Jackson.
0: Oh, well, certainly.
1: And I was like, rightly that's, so. that's the ticket. I mean, musical theater is a much better track for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) You have found success.
1: I have found success in my lane.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) That would not have been a very good idea for me.
0: Oh, fun. Okay. So I remember, speaking of uh, cafeterias in mm -hmm. high school, we went to a performing arts high school. Yes, we did. And I remember at lunch, uh, like on one side of the lunchroom would sit like the district kids and then Mm -hmm. the other side would sit the pa kids and like in retrospect that was really segregated
1: (laughs) i mean there was there were the district kids but then you had like the band table and the jock table and then the smart table and then you had just the tables
0: Mm. of whoever very mean girls
1: well no but it's true i mean we were in high school and, and the 90s and that's just what we did and oh they had the PA kids who were busting and who were you know amazing because they were in yeah. the arts and they didn't live around here but and that was like
0: their brand
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> we don't live here we just work here <laughs> and they were like okay and then we somehow sat in the middle somewhere <laughs>
0: like yeah we became PA kids somehow yeah. I think um I was running, I remember I was a track runner first before I was a PA kid.
1: You did, you ran. I forgot about that. Do yes, you still I, run? Uh
0: I do. I do. Um, but I was a sprinter back then, and now I just run for like general health and to uh, like keep people off my husband. Because you know, he's <laughs> 10 years younger <laughs> than me. And so <laughs> I gotta watch him. All right.
1: <laughs> you're like well he might be 10 years younger but i run
0: <laughs> i waited too long <laughs> kiss too many frogs i see you making a face i mean should we should we talk romance
1: oh because no yeah like i i adore my partner patrick <gasps> I didn't even know you had a partner. I do. It's because I I don't talk about him on social media. I don't talk about my life on social yeah. media. But I do. We've been together. We just realized. I think seven and a half, yeah, almost eight years now. I think closer oh to gosh. seven. Yeah. Co- I was congratulations, like, congratulations.
0: Oh, belatedly.
1: <laughs> it just caught up with us. We looked at each other one day and we're like, "Wow, you're still here. Great." <laughs> perfect <laughs> me too Me too. i like you you like me too great <laughs> that's like- well before
0: we started recording you had mentioned that you were surprised that you found yourself in the same location for such an extended period of time is patrick possibly part of the reason for that
1: he is part of the reason he was close to the beach and i was like oh yeah.
0: well that's a really like good the reason. Whole
1: package no <laughs> he is a part of that reason Um, yeah, it's, it was weird. It was oddly kismet in that I just happened to want to leave New York Mm -hmm. and I knew that I didn't want to stay in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and I had always considered coming back to Charleston. Um, I'd been thinking about it for a while. I just didn't think it would be that soon. Yeah. So it was always in the works. And then I got here and then he happened to be here and I was like, well, see what
0: happens
1: yeah you're like lucky you
0: patrick here i am
1: (laughs) i know i'm like well right place right time that's fantastic
0: okay so we skipped over um some stuff but i'm thinking about things in kind of like a linear like timeline fashion and we were in high school and then i just recently discovered that you have a partner and so we we kind of fast forwarded up to the present but you mentioned atlanta And did you spend any of your adult life in Atlanta?
1: There were a few years. There were a few like intermittent years after undergrad um, that I was in Atlanta right before I went to grad school and my family's still there. So I still like go back Um, there often. Um, But yeah, like living there aside from high school, it was, yeah, the few years after after I'd like gigged around for a bit, and right before I decided to go to grad school, that I went yeah. back to, like a year or two.
0: I spent significantly more time in Atlanta. Yes, you did. Uh, and when I think about why that was, I a lot of it had to do with me. I'm going to school Georgia Tech mm-hmm. um, for undergrad, and then law school at UGA, just an hour and a half away. And uh, uh, passing the bar and everything means basically that you have to stay. In Georgia, and being black and gay in Georgia means you need to stay inside the perimeter, or at <laughs> least it did at that time. And uh, it wasn't until like you know I had already I'd left um, with like still owning a house in Atlanta, but I left, and I was like, oh, let's just go see what's out there. I think I said I was going to see my friend Stephen um, Hayden, who you may or may not have met before. I think so. I,
1: I did meet him. Yeah.
0: Um, and then I was out in like Santa Fe for a couple, for a couple of weeks. And then uh, that turned into being in Minneapolis for a couple of years. Uh, and suddenly, like eight to nine years later, I just like never moved back to Atlanta when that was fully the intention uh, from the go. How does
1: one just end up in Minneapolis? Oh, there was an
0: ex involved.
1: Um, that's like, that's an interesting place to just end up.
0: You know, <laughs> exes are exes for a reason. Yes. And every now and then you have to be reminded of that. Well, I have to be reminded of that because clearly I forget.
1: But you landed clearly in the place that you love. Oh, my gosh.
0: Well, I do love it here. I do love it here. Everyone is um, wonderful in a different way from I feel like everyone is wonderful in Atlanta. Like, uh, if I go on a bike and don't wear a helmet, then my neighbors will be will like, open the door and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, turn back over. Yes,
1: neighbors. I love that. Safety first.
0: Safety first. <laughs> They're very sweet. Everyone's very supportive. There's definitely a sense of solidarity here, here. Um, and like common purpose, which I don't really recall uh, uh, experience, experiencing when I lived in Midtown Atlanta, but that could have as much to do with my disposition while I was there Mm -hmm. um, as anything else.
1: Well, I feel like also Atlanta's such a big city with so many big pockets and neighborhoods and it's really easy to feel isolated there in your own little bubble just because there's so much going on. So I could see how that could happen. I had a pretty big bubble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, within like the demographic of like gay males in Atlanta. And there are a lot of those in Atlanta. Yes. Sir. <laughs> it was a pretty good bubble.
1: <laughs> I mean, you were like the center of the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Even within that, I could see how branching out and getting out of that scene in that city. Cause yeah. you were still relegated to like a part of the city at that time.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I was like, oh, there's a whole world out here yeah
1: the <laughs> world that you can bike around safely
0: yes 100 now okay but you did something different uh instead of spending more time in atlanta you went to new york
1: well first oh. i after undergrad i just gigged around so i just okay. went from show to show around the country wherever someone gave me a job i went to that theater and i worked huh. um until I decided that I wanted to go to grad school. Do you remember that road trip?
0: Kind of. Yes.
1: Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: it's like, Oh, my gosh. Right, listeners. It's like coming back.
1: Yeah. I said, Jerome, I'm going to audition for grad school. And would you ride with me from Atlanta to Pennsylvania? Yeah. And you said, great. And I drove the entire way there. You did. And back.
0: And it was, co- I remember the cold. It was my really first cold. experience with the cold. Uh, I remember the snow was like past like my ankles up to my shin and I'd never experienced that before and so it was like icicles stabbing into my ankle
1: yes and we like made it there it was like in the middle of the night we made it to our hotel next to the it was like an Applebee's or something next to our hotel and I had my grad school audition
0: yes yes oh my gosh you've like unlocked memories
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) It was like two days, like two or three days. It was not a long trip. Yeah. We went, I auditioned, and then we drove straight back to Atlanta.
0: What in the world made you think of me for that road trip? I don't
1: know. Well, I think I knew you'd probably be up for it. Yeah. I knew you'd be really fun in the car
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and that you would keep me sane and offer some like positive energy. I was like, if anything, Jerome's gonna tell me the truth and he's just gonna keep it fun and keep it light. And I feel very like safe, <laughs> trusting you. I didn't tell anyone, I didn't tell my parents. I don't know where they thought I was going. <laughs> no idea <laughs> that I drove to Pennsylvania, Utah to summer grad school. Why didn't you remember, tell your parents? I don't even remember why I told them <laughs> like, or why I didn't tell them, I just like left. And then I came back and when I got my acceptance letter, I was like, hey, so by the way, <laughs> yes, audition for grad school and gotten in. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wild. I did that a lot to my parents back then. I just told them once something was happening. Okay. I was that kid.
0: I mean, I think they're used to it. They are used at to this it. point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, so this is happening. And they're like, okay. This is like before
0: Google Maps, I think. Like, how did we map quest? Did we print yeah, we printed
1: out maps <laughs> and followed the route to State College, Pennsylvania? State in College. The middle of Pennsylvania.
0: We yeah. did do that.
1: It was a fun time.
0: I feel like we went out in Pennsylvania.
1: We did go out. <laughs> we did. We had, it was also like after I learned like after I got in that is part of a ploy. Like they take all the like candidates that they're considering out. Yeah. That yeah. evening like the current oh. students take them out and like kind of watch them and check them out. And then they report back to people going, this person's cool or I don't know if you want to let them in. So,
0: so I'm glad wait. I didn't ruin that for you.
1: No, you I think you helped. I honestly think they were like, "She's awesome. Her friend's great. You should let her in." We're like, yeah. Okay, good. You
0: Go definitely on. helped. Fabulous. Okay, well, um, let's pause there because uh-huh. I think that's a fabulous high note. I we can pause on how supportive and wonderful I am, and then <laughs> <laughs> very supportive,
1: <and> wonderful.
0: <laughs> we'll get. We'll take a coffee break, get a refill, and be right back. I love it. Hey everybody, bivalent boosters are now available. You can schedule your appointment through your primary care physician, or if you're in Minnesota, you can go to the state-run vaccination sites at the Mall of America in Duluth, St. Paul, Rochester, and Moorhead. Disability accommodations are available upon request at those state-run sites. Right now, most people are not up to date on their boosters and we need to turn that around as we go into the cold season. Please get boosted. You do not want COVID-19. It's just not worth the risk. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Okay, we are back with Nikisha Daniel. Catching up, we literally spent the whole coffee break continuing to talk, and we started to veer into conversation about the pandemic, which was next, on my list of things that we have to talk about. So I was like, oh, oh, we're back. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) So uh, we've spoken to a couple of other people in the arts, Mm -hmm. um, and one person in theater specifically, and their career was kind of upended by COVID in 2020 and 2021, I think they were maybe living that same kind of gig to gig life at that time because they're a bit younger. Um, What was your experience like, let's say in 2020,
1: 2021? I mean, it was was pretty much the same as everyone in the industry. Everything just stopped. Hmm. And I know for myself, I was in the middle of choreographing a show And I had a couple of gigs lined up after that. And it's, we were, I think, like three weeks away from opening Mm -hmm. and it just stopped. And then we were just home. And there was still this sense of, I think because in the beginnings of the pandemic, no one really quite understood what was going on. So we just, we kind of had this idea of, okay, maybe we'll shut down for a few weeks, maybe a few months, we'll be able to put the show back up. so we there was this kind of like undercurrent of, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then you get to the realization of, nope, this is it. No, it's it's pretty much done. Um, and it was very, I mean, I was grateful at the time because I was also adjuncting okay. at both the Citadel and the College of Charleston, teaching theater as well. So I was somehow able to still keep Teaching because that moved online. So I was really grateful Uh, that I had that as well. Even though all of my in-person theater gigs dropped off and like TV and film, that all kind of shut down, I was still teaching. So I had a bit of a lifeline. Sure. That I was really grateful for. Um, And that continued into that summer um, because I was teaching summer camps for the Alliance Theater in Atlanta and that moved online as well. Okay, so, so you've
0: got some distance learning chops to add to your resume.
1: Yes, uh, tried by fire, distance learning chops, <laughs> but it worked. It, it somehow managed to work, and I was honestly grateful for something to do. Well, to- what worked and
0: what didn't work when you were when you shifted to distance learning to theater? I, in my experience with theater, which really just goes back to high school, um,
1: <laughs> that's fine. That's most you know,
0: fine. it's it's yeah. intimate. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's about getting in touch with your emotions and then being able to, to emote to people. Yeah. And that seems difficult to do over Zoom. So how did you get people to the right place?
1: I will say, well, my classes, like for instance, my acting class that I was teaching, it oddly worked out that their scenes suddenly moved onto Zoom. It, it became sort of a hybrid between theater and a hints of TV and film because we had to think about like being yeah. in your frame and the camera and adjusting your eye So they got like extra lessons in TV and film, mm-hmm. you know, sure. um, as well as theater. But as far as performances, you know, it was, there was a lot. There was a lot of Zoom theater, a lot of online theater. I was involved recently in a Zoom reading, a reading of a short play, which actually worked out pretty well. Um, it was a fantastic, New short play. I hope it gets produced one day. It was called Wild oh, yeah. It was Brilliant. Um, I have seen very interesting and engaging Zoom theater. Um, one in particular, a show that um I forget the name of it, but it was produced by someone out of New York. I wanna say the public, I wanna say the or maybe it was playwrights Horizons, but sure. It was online, it was an online experience where you could see everyone's Zoom screens. And the premise was an Iranian cooking show. Okay. The host, she was gonna take us through a recipe and but then it became about talking about her family and how she wants people to view Iranians differently and how she wants to open up and expand our point of view of other people and cultures. And she would call in people from the Zoom to suddenly become characters. And you were not aware that you were suddenly going to become a character. (laughs) And it was hilarious to watch people realize that they were suddenly spotlighted. And suddenly you're the uncle who's got like an agenda. And suddenly you're you're in a murder mystery. It was (laughs) the most fascinating, well-curated thing I had ever been a part of, and it was brilliant. And I was like, I am living for that kind of Zoom theater. Where it was, we were interacting, it was emotional. It was really cool. Um, So I've had those experiences. I have also had some not so great experiences, but it also, I will say what Zoom did for the arts was open up accessibility and expand our exposure. Like Mm -hmm. when the National Theater, they put all of their stuff on YouTube. So suddenly you got to watch these incredible performances and shows that you wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So it opened up our worlds. And I think it really made people in the industry actually start to think about accessibility in
0: the Mm -hmm. way that they
1: hadn't before. Um, I know for the College of Charleston, I directed a show during the pandemic with the students and we were all masked. So that was another situation. Right. It was in person, they were masked, but there was no audience, we filmed it. So Um, yeah, we had to think about, again, camera angles, what is the audience gonna see, but also subtitles and accessibility and do you want interpreters? And so bringing more of that into the theater, which I'm hoping sticks around and uh, the vast majority of it has, and I think it's really led us to rethink our, our purpose and kind of like, Resolidify the mission of what we want the arts to be about and what we want to do with this medium. So I think oh some gosh. wonderful things have come mm-hmm. out of it. Some wonderful conversations have come mm-hmm. out of it too. Here, um, here,
0: and I think, um, and I do want to hear more about these conversations. But I, you, you are like kind of uh, taking me to the realization that in my personal life, I feel like we've been living this through this pandemic forever. You know. Yes. But when I'm thinking about the industry and like the history of art and how it's gonna influence art in the future. It's like a blip, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're like, of course there was the
0: some point. bad Zoom theater, you know? You yeah. gotta have six months of bad Zoom theater before everyone agrees that it's bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, we were just happy to be doing it in the moment. It's like, we're just, we have an outlet. Yes. Um, but yeah, that the pandemic, I mean, it was this odd realization too that you're living through history Mm-hmm. And that you're in it. Mm-hmm. But also trying to keep your self intact. And I mean, in like every sense of the word. Yeah, like how my relationship suddenly I'm in our condo. It's just me and my partner <laughs> <laughs> together, both working from home when usually I'm at rehearsal or I'm in class yes, or yes. I'm like out of town or same like he is out of town or he's at a gig and suddenly we're just both always together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you and your husband got through, but we did and I, I found that um, thankfully we were good. Yeah, and I know that that wasn't always the case so it was a challenge on many levels on every single aspect of my life and everyone's lives
0: I know yeah. so, yeah. I we so I serve on some committees for well I do I do a lot. Um, but I'm not spe- surprised. I know <laughs> specifically. I'm thinking about the public health advisory committee yeah. for the city of Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and we've really started to kind of zero in on or zoom in on mental health, um, and how the pandemic took a toll, uh, took like a big toll at the beginning on adults, um, and now we're kind of weathering through that now. But the impact that it had on children. So it just continues to get larger and larger over time, which is somewhat unexpected. And so um, in previous conversations with artists, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit when you were like, we're just happy to be performing. We're just happy that we can do something. (laughs) Would it take a mental health toll on you to not be able to perform and to not be able to be creative in the way that you are accustomed to being creative?
1: It, it did. I will say it 100% did and I'd be lying if I said it didn't. Yeah. Um it's made me more aware of the ways in which I show up hmm. in this How art. How do you show up, Nikisha? The, well, when <laughs> I do show up, obviously. <laughs> um but well, no, so it's it's made me really think about the projects that I take on, the companies that I choose to associate myself with. Mm-hmm the message and the legacy that I want to leave. Um, because it's, it's easy as an artist, especially starting out as an actor. All I thought about was myself and my career and my goals. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I was super laser focused that I didn't really think about the whole and the big picture with my life woven into that. Um, and this being able to hit pause and really think about the industry and the impact we have and where I wanna see myself within this industry and how I could affect this industry and and how I can affect those coming after me and the students that I teach and and the young artists that I work with. Um, It was really a big wake up call. I feel like I'd already been on this trajectory of, I want to have a lasting legacy of making sure that the arts thrive. Hmm but it just solidified some things that were already in the back of my mind that I think I was afraid to do. Okay. Um, Like moving more into directing. I'd always loved it. I'd always enjoyed directing. Yeah. But I was, I just had this fear of like, I can't because I've got to focus on acting. I've got to focus on this thing. It's just a weird thing that happens in theater. People feel like you are either or, or. like you have to do one thing or other. Oh, really? Yeah. and I was, I was afraid I would, I would leave something behind if I tried to, you know, follow a, a path. Huh. And that's not true. No. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I well, I, but
0: I mean, it's. So uh, in America in 2022, believing something that's not true isn't uncommon. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> kudos to you for recognizing that you're like, oh, I'm holding on to a belief that is not accurate. And I need to let that go. That is growth. That is growth. (laughs) But I feel as though um, once you're through it, it's so much easier to look back and say, oh, yeah, I grew through that. But I wonder, can you speak to maybe like how long it took you to have that same thought before you were like, oh, my God, it's stupid thought. Get out of my
1: head. Oh, this is like years. This has been years in the making. This has been the universe going, hey, like knocking on the door every now and again. And in the form of opportunities that would fall in my lap, literally. Oh, okay. Of the, hey, would you ever consider doing this? Or hey, you want to direct the show just out of nowhere. Yeah. And me eventually going, if this thing keeps happening, maybe it's happening for a reason. It's something I love. It's something I am, I will say I'm good at it. I know I can grow and I can be even better at it. And that's the goal. Yeah. And people seem to keep wanting to hire me to do it. So why don't I just do that thing? <laughs> why right? don't you do that? <laughs> why, why, why fight it? Um, so it's that, it's, you know, getting in your head and, and having a path laid out for yourself. And I had to remind myself and this has kind of become my mantra that I have been given this life to live Mm -hmm. the only job i actually have is to live my life yes that is it and when i remind myself of that i'm like i'm good yeah am i living my life not am i living my life for someone else am i actually going hey this is the thing i love to do this is what i want to do this is what i want to try right now because it's my life and that's what I get to do.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah.
1: So that's that, might, get,
0: that might end up on a mug.
1: It sh- <laughs> if you do, let me know. I love a mug. Okay. <laughs> I had a friend make a mug for me. It's in my office right now that says, I do what I want. Oop. As a good reminder, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I do what I want.
0: Okay, the Keisha Daniel might be head of merchandising for bottomless
1: coffee. <laughs> I mean, I also occasionally have to do what my bosses tell me, but the, in theory, yes, in my life, I do what
0: I want. For a director, <laughs> have a mug that says I do what I want. So that's, a, that's a good vibe. That's a vibe yeah. I can get behind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about work. Yeah. What do you do for fun? What do
1: I do for work? <laughs> <Just> okay. <laughs> I okay. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, you do. Okay. A lot of podcasts. I am a murderino for those who know what that is. Oh, okay. My favorite Not murder. Me. <laughs> Get into it. Um, I listen to a lot of true true crime
0: murder. Oh, sure.
1: Podcasts and watch a lot of true crime murder mystery TV.
0: You have to meet Aaron um, because he loves that. He um, he got us on a forensic files binge
1: once. <laughs> Oh my God, forensic! And there's so many incredible new documentaries on Netflix and yeah. Hulu about crime, all over the world. It doesn't have to be American; it can be mm. European. I just oh, think I
0: think I watched funny. a European one on Netflix with Aaron. It was like a limited series. This is it was this French woman who was murdered in
1: oh Scotland oh my goodness, I saw that! Yes, on the yes. island! Yes, yes, yeah, yes. And it was like, I mean, like, come on, she, there's like three people on this island, like, one of you murdered her, clearly. Right, right. Yes! Uh, <laughs> that one was so good. <laughs>
0: like, it yeah, I know really
1: exactly good. what you're talking about.
0: Yes. Candidates. You um, you and Aaron will have a wonderful conversation about all the murders that you've
1: <laughs> <I> <laughs> taken part in solving. <laughs>
0: That you've that you've watched other people solve,
1: <laughs> yes. and in my mind, could solve in theory, but probably could not. I'd probably contaminate all the scenes.
0: <laughs> to be fair, doesn't Charleston have a like a rich history of that kind of like Southern noir, or, or is that Savannah? I
1: think that's it's more Savannah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's that whole like Southern Gothic noir, yes. mainly just because of the history of Charleston. I get that. There has been a lot of murder here. Historically. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: And if they ever get around to solving them, maybe there'll be a fun podcast for yeah, you. To listen you know.
1: to. <laughs> There's there are a lot of ghost tours here. Oh, okay. Uh, I've never been on one. I should take one for fun. I walk past them all the time because oh. they're usually in alleys. Um, oh <laughs> there are a lot of alleys in charleston too come to charleston see our alleys right <laughs> okay <laughs> um, yeah, but lots of history lots of haunted things in charleston um but yeah other than podcasts and ozark you want
0: to- oh sure um we i have seen every episode except for this most recent season that just came out like two days ago
1: oh my god good you're already late
0: Okay, yeah, (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, podcasts, the occasional binge, and then traveling when I do get to travel more again.
0: Sure. Do you are you thinking domestic for your next flight or international?
1: I would love it to be international. That's
0: where do you want to go? Oh, oddly enough, mountains,
1: beach. Well, I mean, I live near the beach. Yeah. So I want to go to the mountains. I would love to go to Iceland. That's my like oh. my first super international trip. I really want to go to Iceland for some reason.
0: I've never been, but um, Iceland Air or something like that, whatever that appropriate airline is, they fly out of uh, Minneapolis uh, direct from Minneapolis to Reykjavik, uh, and it's pretty. It was pretty affordable pre pandemic. The last time I looked. Lately I've been looking at flights and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not not paying $1,000 to go to California.
1: (laughs) I mean, hey, everyone's gotta make their money somehow.
0: But the, um, I, I think the government of Iceland like subsidizes the flights and so they were less expensive.
1: Well, then we're going. You should go. I know, I wanna go so badly.
0: It's, I mean, it's kind of a stark beauty. I would say from the images that I've seen, like it's very uh sharp in some in some ways. Yeah, glaciers and puffins. Glaciers and puffins. Puffins are not as sharp. (laughs) They're adorable.
1: They're like a fancy penguin. (laughs) Like a fancy penguin. Fancy penguin. And I would love to see them. Do you like animals? I love animals. Do you have any pets? We don't. I wish I had a dog. One day. One day. I, there's a squirrel that visits our balcony every day that we can okay. eat. So that's my pet now. <laughs> We've very
0: visited- Disney princess of you. <laughs>
1: Whiskey comes to visit us every <laughs> day. He doesn't really visit us. We have a, a dish of bird seed. So really he's coming for the buffet. Sure. But I like to imagine that he likes to come and say hi.
0: We got a pandemic puppy.
1: You did. Speaking What's your puppies, pandemic puppy?
0: Yes. His name is Pike. Hi. Um, let Hi. me I'm gonna pull up a photo of him and then show show his picture over the webcam.
1: It still works.
0: Yeah, yeah. I got I have our photos. this so let me find a really cute one. So we got him in August, and he was about three months then.
1: Oh, he was a baby.
0: Oh here, I'll give you a, a duo of both Aaron and the dog. Aaron, my husband, and the dog. This is them. Can you see it? I don't know.
1: Oh, they're both adorable. They
0: are adorable. Look at how cute. Aaron is obsessed with this dog. I am the uh, responsible again type A dog owner. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, did you eat? Do you have water? How many <laughs> times have you been, been out? <laughs>
1: So you're the very concerned parent. Yes. And oh, look at that face.
0: Aaron is like, "Did you get enough hugs? Do you? Would you like more toys? Do we need to go to the store?"
1: I mean, just give whatever he wants. Yeah. (laughs) Like whatever he he wants.
0: He lives a charmed life. He um he lives the life of having never known that he is uh like existing through a pandemic. You know, he, <laughs> he has
1: no idea. It's all cuddles and treats. It which, is. honestly, we all deserve cuddles. All of our lives should be nothing but cuddles and treats. Let's be. Yeah. I, agree
0: with I strive that.
1: to live a life like Pike.
0: <laughs> well, if you ever want to uh, borrow a pandemic puppy, I think you can like foster or something, you know, and then you can give it away.
1: <laughs> oh no! That, see, that that's the problem.
0: Oh really? The
1: giving away would be the problem for me.
0: So, um, as I just showed you, Erin is very attached to the dog, but the, uh, dog is kind of part of the like plant, pet, baby journey that we're kind yeah. of on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when it comes when it comes to two gay guys having a child, you've got your foster option, your adoption option, yeah. or your bio baby option. And foster is kind of like the easiest way to do it um, in the sense that these babies need, these children and babies need homes like immediately. (laughs) Like I think you could sign up, have a few interviews and then um, you got a child in your home. Yeah. But uh, at some point I think the goal of the state of society is to reunite the child with their biological family And so, from the way that I've seen Aaron, uh, kind of like whole give his whole heart to this dog, I'm like, oh, I don't know if fostering is the way for us.
1: Yeah, that might be tricky. (laughs) (laughs) There might be some separation anxiety on Aaron's part. (laughs) Might want to think about that. I'm like, is this your way of asking me to have your babies?
0: Oh my gosh, I didn't want to revisit that plan.
1: I mean, I'd have to talk to my partner about it. Yes. And yes. I'd have to look at my calendar. I don't know. You don't, <laughs> have,
0: to, you don't have to commit to anything right now. I'm not committing right on a podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
1: That is, I will say your plan is pretty great. I love the plant <laughs> puppy baby plan. The, yes. Like, the levels of taking care of a living thing. Um,
0: Uh, A lot of plants died as I tried to figure out that journey. You know, it's a
1: safe (laughs) beginning. It's better the plant than an actual child or a puppy.
0: (laughs) Like even like a a plant in a pot was too much. I had to put a plant in a see-through jar where I can like watch the water levels decrease and know that it needed more
1: water. But honestly, you don't know. You can't see what's yes. going on. It's very hard to keep a plant water. You're on to something, Jerome. Oh, thank you. Bottomless Coffee's line of see through plant pots.
0: Um, well, as part of that environmentalist journey, I kind of alluded to, I think, before we were recording. Um, I was saving jars. Like, if I, like, I, I was like, okay, I got to buy the glass jars because I don't want to do any plastic. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I'd have the jars and I'd be like, oh, okay, I could put this in the recycling. But then I'd read that, oh, nothing that you put in the recycling actually goes and gets recycled. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, honestly, it was almost like a hoarder situation. I was stockpiling all of these mason jars before I found our bulk food store, or I could just get them refilled.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, and so like those mason jars became uh, pots for the plants.
1: That's so <laughs> yeah. smart. I mean, what else are you gonna do with them besides fill them with dried beans? That's true. Rice. Rice, <laughs> rice. I know. We have mason jars full of dried beans, rice, and plants. Do you? Yeah.
0: Aww. Do you go to a bulk food store or bulk food section?
1: I do. I love a bulk food section. Huh. It is very economical, and also yeah. oh, I love true. the idea of food in bulk. So, it's very- <laughs> um, and also like, my my grandfather. Odd side note: When he hmm. passed away, he left a lot of mason jars. I am not still sure why he sure. had so many empty mason jars. <laughs> but that because was because he
0: was like, like me.
1: Yes, <laughs> and so I took them, and I was like, "Thanks, Grandpa." Um, and I fill them, and they bring me joy. But oh. yeah, okay. So, are there actual bulk food stores in Minneapolis? Like, so there
0: is a zero waste store called Tear Market. T A R E. I'll just go ahead and give yes. them that publicity because
1: you can tear your jar. Yes. Or you fill it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
0: you you bring your own uh, jars, or but you can also leave some there for other people uh, to take and fill. And it's kind of their way of promoting a circular uh, economy, which, frankly, has worked out really well for at least me and Aaron. Um, it's maybe like seven blocks away, like long blocks, and so mm-hmm. we'll bike over there. Uh, we'll fill our jars up. Oh my gosh, Nikesha. Freshly ground peanut butter. <gasps> they have a machine full of peanuts and you just flip it and put your jar underneath and it's just like straight from the tap and you can get a full jar for like a couple of bucks. Yeah. I'm like, how is this more delicious and less expensive and healthier?
1: Jerome, no, yep. make your own peanut butter. Well, like how? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, okay, do you have a blender? Yes. Do you have a food processor? Yes, either works.
0: We have a ninja.
1: You have a wonderful. Take a cup of peanuts. Okay. Roast them if they're not already roasted or you can buy raw roasted peanuts. Sure. Maybe salt and just blend them. It is literally that simple. Oh. They just I turn will try that peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> it is magic. But, and then you can, it honestly, it is that simple to make your almond butter a little trickier, a little harder. I don't have the patience, but (laughs) peanut butter is magical and so easy to make at home. What, what else are you making? Oh, we met, okay. We definitely, we definitely got into the pandemic sourdough.
0: Oh, okay. Sure.
1: Um, He had, we have a sourdough starter. We have two, Hans and Franz. Our sourdough <laughs> um, I love making, we make our own peanut butter, mm-hmm. um, our own bread. I attempted at one point to make kombucha and that was very short lived. Cause once again, uh, I ran out of patience waiting for it to do whatever. Okay. Was How long to was it going to take? Like months in my oh. mind, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it was easier just to buy it and definitely more delicious. Yeah. Um, what else do I make? I like making everything from scratch that I can when I have the time. Like pancakes on the weekends. Oh, that's so nice. Um, so you you cook. Baking, I love to cook. Ha. Huh. So it's I don't,
0: it, but I you know, I <laughs> it's
1: like therapeutic for me. I love just like reading an ingredient list is so simple
0: and mm-hmm. putting
1: it together. And then something delicious comes out the other end and I get to eat as much as I want.
0: I support it. Do you experiment in the kitchen and try try new things, or is like this is what I know will be delicious? I
1: do. I my experimentation is what I like to call freezer soup. Okay,
0: is... <laughs> please tell me about the freezers.
1: It's it's like fridge and freezer soup, where it's like I'm hungry. I've got a bunch of vegetables that I should probably cook. They look like they've been there for a minute. Yeah, they go into a pot and they come out and it's soup and it's lovely. Um, I do occasionally like to experiment more with like different cuisines. So I was like, mm-hmm. I was heavy into hummus at one point, making my own hummus, which is sure. fun. Like experimenting with flavors like roasted red pepper hummus or like pesto hummus, or I'll try to make my own pestos and things like that. I like a sauce.
0: This is, um, th- okay. I'm getting an idea yeah. for, <laughs> you know, a production <laughs> where you teach me how to cook or whatever. And so it's, it's literally stealing from the show that you saw. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Great. Great.
1: Um, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to make, I like to try to recreate my grandmother's recipes, Oh. which is a fool's errand. Okay. Because it's, it's never going to work. I can't make anything taste like what my grandma makes.
0: Well, it's like your memory of what your
1: grandma exactly ate too. It's just, yeah they have that they have that grandma thing where it's, yeah. it always tastes better coming from them but i've put on a pretty good collard green recipe okay i to say it's pretty tasty and i've perfected my cornbread
0: are you comfortable sharing your collard green recipe
1: it is a trade secret
0: okay that's fair that's
1: fair. Well, I I will say there is a secret ingredient that you would never think to put in collard greens, but oh. it is the thing that really pushes it yeah. over the edge. OK. Uh, I'll, well, I'll I, tell you later.
0: I was like, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go to coffee break, and I'm going <laughs> to pressure you. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we're going to come back, and we'll share a secret
1: together. Uh, ladies got to have <laughs> her secrets, even about collard greens. <laughs>
0: okay we'll be right back (laughs) okay we are back and i do have the secret to some delicious vegan collard greens um but i'm not gonna share those online uh part of some paperwork that nakisha made me fill out an uh, indian yes Yes. Yes. yeah (laughs) very serious business um but this has been great. You are one of those friends that uh even after an extended period of time of not like not having one of these conversations, we can reconnect and it feels like we've been talking forever and like we still have so much more conversation left.
1: Yeah. Nice. I missed your face.
0: I miss your face too. <laughs> uh, it, well it, it it's helpful though. We've got such nice faces. Yeah. So. Yep.
1: <laughs> That we take very good care of our skin.
0: So if people would like to uh, compliment our conversation on your social media or something, like I know you're not big on it, but where, I, where should they go? I am
1: not big on it, but I do occasionally check it. Um, you can find me on Instagram and that is the only place you can find me on social media. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just at Nikisha Daniel okay. on the gram. Um, and that's where you can find me. And if you want to give me a shout out, I will say hey. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you don't uh, you don't post a lot, but when you do, it's quality content. It's good stuff.
1: Thank you. I and I, and I, I
0: follow. Th-
1: I like it. I, I post about what I love, you know, and and what I'm doing at the moment. Usually, months yeah. apart. <laughs>
0: And if we want to uh, support your work or see a show or something like that, like, how would we do that?
1: Absolutely. Well, oddly enough, if you want to support my actual work um, that I'm doing, it is CFC Giving Day. Oh. Where you can directly support the Department of Theater and Dance at the College of Charleston where I work, which will directly support me and my students. So uh, Beautiful. And that actually, the link for Giving Day is in my bio on Instagram right now. Oh, Um, But also you can just go to the CFC department of theater and dance online and give directly. And that would be a fantastic way to not only support me, but the arts in general.
0: Oh, that's so good. Okay. So I will go to your Instagram and take that link and put it in the description of this podcast episode. So it will just live there forever.
1: Fantastic. Um, And then coming up, I am directing a show in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I'm directing a show in March. Okay. So I'll let you know those dates. Um, And then I'm choreographing a show at the college. I'm choreographing Cabaret.
0: Oh, no way. Fun.
1: (laughs) Guess when Cabaret opens Easter weekend. That's a whole nother conversation.
0: (laughs) That's a choice someone made.
1: (laughs) I I am choreographing cabaret i'm about to direct direct another show and those are my current projects so yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and some other projects in the works that i can't talk about right now sure see-
0: well you know what we briefly touched on accessibility and the arts and i hope that if i'm not able to make it down to see those shows live there's some way uh to see them and you know
1: to feel just- like i'm version. watching you
0: perform yeah. guess. <laughs>
1: i'll give you my version of what i think happened. No, okay sure. <laughs> I'm
0: into it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, having this conversation with me. I will say for the audience, I'm going to keep talking to Nikisha, but this episode is is wrapping up.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: So.
1: This has been <laughs> such a delight. It's been so wonderful to catch <laughs> up with you and chat. And I love that you're doing this. I love this. Yeah, nice. Everyone support Jerome and Bottomless Coffee. Woo! From your words. Yes.
0: <laughs> Bye, everybody. I'll see you next time. <laughs>